Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk About It with Lani and Wani. We're back at the Hills Podcast Studio at Bella Vista Hotel. And today we are dissecting, discussing broken homes. Broken families. Broken families. And it's hard yeah. to get a general consensus on that one because Google says like both are right. Yeah. We'll see how we go. Yeah. All right, so I guess for context, the reason we chose this is because it's something we can both relate to, both coming from, I don't want to say broken, but like technically, but just our parents It's such a vulgar up. word yeah, to use. It's, it's sort of negative like, connotation. okay, so I'm just not normal. Yeah, well, I'm not broken. Yeah. To me, yeah. broken requires fixing and like you can't fix this. So. Or can you? Oh, I don't know. That's what we're going to find out today. Could it be avoided? Yeah, exactly. So, all right. To start off with, I like to go back into the polls that we've put up on our page and use that to start our conversation. So the first question was, are your parents divorced or broken up? And the results were 54% yes. That was almost a half and half. I saw that. It was. Yeah, it was a half and half for a while. And then the last few just tip the scales so 54 percent yes and 46 no i'm not surprised actually no i was a little bit surprised i thought more people would have parents who were together and we'll we'll answer it yes our parents are not together either yeah well you're yeah yeah our biological biological parents aren't aren't together. together yeah uh, if you are a parent, are you still with your child's other parent? 54 yes, 64 no. So that completely flipped. Yeah. Because it was 54 yes, 54 no. For That's sort of like an incompa- incompatibility with your significant other that they chose. Yeah. So, you know, why do they, anyways, anyways. why do they have children? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wait, you answer that question because you're a parent. Yes, we're still together. Yeah. I feel like when you ask a question, we should answer it. Yeah, yeah. just so, so everyone knows, like, we're not immune to these. Yeah. Um, based on your lived experiences, disagree or agree to the following statements. Sometimes breaking up is the best option for the kids. 93% said agree, 7% disagree. I'm in the 93. Yeah, I'd love to know why they think no. Mm, I should have added that. Damn it. Uh, breaking up is the easy option. Yes or no? No. It's not. It's really hard. It's, yeah. That's why people are in toxic relationships because they don't know how to break up with the motherfucker. Are you serious? Oh my gosh. Uh, Kids deserve to know why their parents aren't together. Yes or no. Uh, 91 (gasps) said yes. 9% said no. I'm like half and half with that one. We can unpack that. But I. Because I'm sure there's many reasons why people break up. But like, if someone broke up because they cheated, do the kids deserve to know that their mother's a cheater? Well, yes, because... I mean, I, I think, think you don't want people knowing something. Don't do it. Don't cheat and no one know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, um, and also when we write these questions, like it's definitely meant to elicit some sort of emotion. So like these statements, mum should get full custody of their kids. You have to just put it as like a blanket statement for people to choose their side. That's why sometimes they're, there's definitely bias in the questions, hoping to get the you know, an answer from you. So uh, mum should get full custody of their kids. 88% said no, 12% said yes. I would vote no, because it's not a mum dad thing. It's whoever's the more stable parent. If it comes to the point where stability is being questioned and like, especially when it comes to mental illness and stuff, 
you can't assume the mum's just gonna have her shit together and she might be she might be the toxic parent the dad might be both parents might be toxic and neither of them having the kids is the best option there's so many reasons why <laughs> yeah so that's in terms of the um like the number percentage but in terms of the answers that we got um because we put up some questions for people to yeah answer. there were actually some good answers i really enjoyed reading them yeah we're all just traumatized you know Definitely. we are all going through it and people's trauma really showed in these answers yeah and that's not a like not calling you out and i'm not saying anything like i'm judging you but it's true like i think people's trauma shows in small ways and these answers were some of them yeah like for like this topic i still have like a lot of undealt with trauma that when it comes to these topics i honestly don't know how how this is gonna go like am i gonna and i'm gonna cry i don't know <laughs> yeah my trauma pops up when i'm parenting as well so that'll be good to unpack yeah all right so the question was uh what do you what would you define as a broken home? So the answers were families disconnected, addiction, lack of understanding or support, a home rifled with abuse, regardless if parents are together or not, unbalanced structure, no real foundation, um, when parents live separately, single parent home, no communication, negative separation of parents where children deal with the aggression of bad co-parenting. Co-parenting popped up a lot. That was interesting. Mm -hmm. No love in the home, lack of love, um, lots of toxicity, parents split, unstable. So the like, answers are pretty similar, which is good because it means that I guess the general population is saying the same thing. I'm pretty sure that we had put another question up. Um, so this was just people to have a chance to speak about whatever they wanted to kind of thing. So someone said, we paint a broken marriage or partnership as a broken home, but that's not necessarily always true. How have broken home traumas impacted your relationships? Mm -hmm. um, someone asked about co-parenting and getting along with your child's other parent is so important. Uh, someone said the idea that staying together for the kids is the best possible solution when it could actually be more detrimental i hate that concept oh, i know so many people and i'm just like <laughs> staying together for the kids it's not working because your kids need to see you happy anyway um yeah so pretty much it's just about how has been how have these situations impacted us as adults and a lot of talk about co-parenting i guess now is where we we do our trauma <laughs> yeah <laughs> obviously you have to like bring our like lived experiences into this yeah. to some extent yeah so I guess I'll start for context. Um, my parents, like my biological parents, they, by the age of, by the time I was two, both had new partners who they've been with since then. Mm. So they've both been with their respective partners for 22 years. So when did you sort of come to the, the realization that you know one of your parents that wasn't actually your biological parent were you sat down and told or was it just something that I you're just like oh this is your dad and you're like wait this is my actual dad was it that uh, sort of situation no, or? i think it was just always you know like when things are just introduced to you as facts so you don't question them so like i always knew that my dad was my dad and my mom was my mom and then my step parents were like because because when they came in my step parents obviously came in at a time where it was like do or die you know you're out 
Right. So there was no room. Like, I, I don't know if my parents dated before that, you know, mm-hmm. like if they had a boyfriend or a girlfriend before they met my step parent. I, I was two. So, like, I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily want to know. Well, all I know is that I was introduced to these people in a way that was like, this is your family now. So I don't really know what it was like before that. I just know that I went to my dad's house. I think it was like every second weekend. It changed a lot as I got older because I had a bit more freedom and I was also busy. I played sport and stuff like that. So there were, um, and I had plans and stuff like that. So it it didn't always get to just stick to one arrangement. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as an adult now, it's just, it became up to me. You know, when I turned 18, it wasn't like, no, you have to come. There's no custody arrangement. It's more just like I drove. So I'd be like, hey, I'm coming over today. Like I liked having that freedom to pop in. Whereas before it was a bit more rigid. It was like you're on weekends because we never lived close. Mm-hmm. We always lived like 40 minutes away from each other. And being the one who's not driving, we I kind of only saw my dad on the time that was to see him unless there was like a netball game or like stuff like that he would, he would come to. Um, yeah it wasn't i don't know i've seen other people everyone does it differently like the whole parents not being together thing like i know people who have christmas dinner with both their parents families together did you ever have like so at what point did you have the discussion as to why they're not together or did that ever happen or no i mean as i got older i could see why they weren't together yeah they're so different and i'm just like oh my god how did you two even live in the same space but no i wasn't really told like for my dad definitely not i've never had a discussion with him about why they're not together i just know that i just i've known they're not together and i as i got older i kind of just dissected it i'm i guess i hear little things here and there from different family members who were around um but I wasn't really sat down and given the full breakdown of things. And mm-hmm. I don't really want to. I, I actually am very adamant. Like if ever my mom wants to talk about it, I'm like, no, I'm okay. Like that's okay. Yeah. It doesn't, she, like she kind of thinks it impacts my story and I need to know. Whereas I'm like, no, no, no. Like that, that whole relationship was your decision. Both, you know, both parties yeah. decision and the breakup was also your decision. I'm just dealing with the aftermath of it. I don't necessarily need to hear anything else. Yeah. What about you? Do you, okay, just one more question. Do you think, or like, yeah, do you think it was fair of them, not to say that your life is a mistake, (laughs) but do you think it was fair of them? Because obviously there's a trauma behind you not wanting to know what happened with them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So do you think it was fair of them to sort of put you in this space where you're that uncomfortable? Yeah. That you don't even want to know what happened between them? No, I think when you... I, it's hard because before I had kids, I, I was a bit more angry. But then having kids, I'm kind of a bit more like empathetic. Understanding, yeah. yeah. about the um, situation. And I think no parent goes into a situation where they have a kid and they already know they're not going to be with that parent. And there, there comes a point where you become so wrapped up in the child that you can just ignore like... You can ignore the other parent for a bit because that's, that's your focus, the child. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I didn't think it was – it wasn't fair for me to have to grow up with, like, I guess my parents not being together because ideally you give life to children in the, with the person that you're hoping to continue that life with. So, so it's almost like, in my mind, that's like a selfish act. Having kids is pretty selfish in general. We all know my take on this. Yeah. <laughs> so having kids is pretty selfish and a lot of a lot of the time being a parent you can find that you put yourself first because you know you say you want the best for your kids but then you have to realize that the best might not be you the best might not be what you can give them 
so in terms of like i think the intentions there you know you go into having a family with the intent to stay together be together but then also like the poll said the um the best option might be not being together so i don't actually know my parents as a, a couple as a unit but all i can say is that them not being together was the best possible um stop saying um the best possible upbringing for me involved my two parents not being together no yeah. no amount of therapy or couples therapy you know group sessions would have allowed for me to grow up in a positive environment with both of my parents and i also can see how you just don't realize these things in the beginning because you know when you get when you fall pregnant and you're with someone you you put your relationship back a bit because mm -hmm. you've now got this child to look for but that can be the reason why things go sour when you realize like i was I, I, there was an idea the idea was there but now that i'm seeing things differently that idea was never going to come true and i can understand why that happened because i've got kids myself and you know also things you get busy in relationships so you don't realize things until later mm -hmm. and it's very very easy to do so but i'm just glad that my parents realized that at an age where i don't remember much and i don't miss them being together like i look at them if they're ever in the same room which is really rare and i'm just like i look left i look right and i'm like oh what a headache like they yeah. have both headaches on their own accord but then together i'm just like oh i got there would have been more trauma if they'd stayed together oh but that's enough about me what about you what's the go Are your parents together yeah okay so before i get started on my story <laughs> right um it's okay look I'm going to set Lani and I a test not to say like and um mm -hmm. for the rest of the... Because I'm the one that has... You know when you have to listen to this? I'm the one that edits this. When I have to listen to this 800 times, especially last episode. Last episode was killing me. But anyways, let's, no try, not, like let's, let's try not to say it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, where do I even start with me? I don't necessarily have a preconceived idea as to what my... um. <sighs> Let me start again. That again it's so hard um is better than like though oh i said like like a million times you just like liked yep <laughs> now yeah so my parents they're not together they from the stories that i've heard they pretty much broke up when i i don't know if it was in the womb or like when i was like one or when i was just born like there was just a really big thing that happened when i was when i was like one years old so i don't even have an idea as to what they were like when they were together because that i never saw it so i don't know what they're like i don't know what they were like in a relationship i don't know if it was toxic i don't know but now that i know them individually like as an adult or you know my my father was an absent father till i was about like till i was like a teenager so he was in and out of my life and he was present like he played child support and and all that sort of stuff so financially he was supporting my mother however there's there's just a huge strain that comes with not having a male figure in your life so for you you had step parents like you always had a father figure for me i didn't have a father figure yeah. and it didn't i didn't sort of start talking to him properly until i was a teenager but even then I can sort of see why they're not together. Just sort of like you as well. Like my mother is just a really strong, independent character. And my, my dad's like a little, I feel like my personality is a lot like my father actually. <laughs> so I can sort of see why they didn't work out. However, 
you know, answering my own question, I do think it was sort of selfish for them to bring me into this world with all this trauma and it's still undealt with. And I, I think, like, I, I don't even think they've dealt with it themselves. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I think um, I definitely, you know what, I'm actually seeking therapy. So if anybody's listening to this, preferably a woman of colour, let me know. Slide into my DMs. Not necessarily for this, like so many other things as well. I just, I need someone to talk to. But... Yeah, so there's like a lot of undealt with trauma on that as well. I, I even remember to a point where he just wasn't in my life for a really long time and there was like a family function and all of my cousins, like, you know, they they call him uncle. I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> but it got to the point where I even called him uncle because I forgot that he was my dad. Mm. Like, that's how sad that was. But yeah, like he just, he, he wasn't there and we sort of still haven't had that conversation so do you see your dad's family even if you don't see him? Yeah. So that's the thing. Like when I was younger, he ended up moving to the other side of the country. So he works in the mines. But here in, I, I still grew up with his family. Mm-hmm. So like I'm really close with my nana. Like they're like, which is like walking proximity from my house. So oh, I would okay. always be there. A lot of Fijian family here as well. So I grew up with the family and they would always sort of speak highly of him and whatnot, but I just, I didn't see it. Yeah. So it's not something that I could relate to. Yeah. So. So obviously, like you say, a similar situation, we don't really know our parents being together. Was your mum supportive of you seeing your dad's family? Yeah. It was never an issue? Never. To some extent, though, because he did end up marrying somebody else. So there was like like, infidelity that happened. They were never married, though. So I think that was like, that played a huge part. So we already had a made up family. Mm-hmm. And she, the person that she, um, he married had two kids. Okay. But I never really acknowledged them as, yeah. you know, step siblings. Well, we, we sort of did call each other like stepbrother and sister, but I didn't really feel it. I, we mm. weren't like connected in any yeah. way. My mom didn't like that situation, but they ended up breaking up and then I just don't really acknowledge mm. them anymore. <laughs> so really like weird thing there yeah so how often do you see your dad now as an adult not that much to be honest he's still on the other side of the country like how much is not that much well like i haven't seen him this year okay that's covid okay non-covid years probably like like once every six months okay so your your mum was your sole parent yeah decision making Mm -hmm. and everything yeah so she literally took the role of like mum and dad yeah very protective very independent very strict so you know i can sort of understand why yeah but even then like i didn't i didn't really when you i feel like when you don't grow up with a male figure you don't have a preconceived idea as to what a man is supposed to be yeah so i think you just accept anything when it comes to like dealing with boys and men and all that sort of stuff the only thing that i have that my mother has to like pass on to me is like men ain't shit like <laughs> you can do anything you want you're an independent woman blah 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 yeah and then it, when i eventually got a um a partner really young by the way it was like the worst thing it was the worst thing ever it was like it was like make or break with my my mom and i yeah. because she just didn't accept the fact that i found companionship in a male mm-hmm. not to say it's not like she's like um not into men but it's just like she didn't have really good experiences so she already like projected her her ideas as to you know all her negative um experiences that she had with men was sort of projected onto me yeah but i think i i was capable of sort of distinguishing that 
not all men are trash. I like the experiences that I've had with like boys and men growing up have not been as volatile or vulgar as like, you know, my um my mum would have made it out to be. Yeah. So my thing would be like uh with in terms of relationships, it affected me badly. Yeah. I had a, um, a friend in high school and we had very similar situations with our parents not being together and so like we talked about it a lot and we had both agreed that like fuck it we're not having kids like why would you do this to kids you just don't know you don't know what you don't know anyway so he's got three kids I've got two yeah <laughs> so that definitely took a turn but you know we spent a lot of time just kind of when I think back to that friendship and what we had in common it was being able to relate just to that aspect because mm you know um our parents were pretty similar in the way that like they had both had new families and stuff like that and you know we shared a lot of the same thoughts so it was always good to have that similarity but um we would also talk about how it's impacted how we see other people and how like you know we want our future to look based on the experiences we had and i can definitely say like if we were to go into this as a room like to discuss how being brought up with my parents not being together has impacted me as a romantic, my romantic self. Um, I was notoriously single until I got into the relationship that I'm in right now. Right. <laughs> and I was just like, I liked boys, of course. Like, I think started when I was 14, but like from a yeah. distance. I was like, don't come near me. Like, I'll talk to you, but like, that's it. I was so just, I couldn't. It's not like there wasn't interest, like, you know, I'm, I was talking to people and I, I think a lot of it, like, I, I, I hold myself back and I was just like, no, 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 we're not doing this. Because if you have sex, you get pregnant and then you get broken up and then just goes downhill from there. Like, it was just... Oh, I always had the pregnant one. If you have a boyfriend, you're going to feel pregnant. My mom expected me to be a really young mum. Oh, okay. But that, so I think when I got a boyfriend when I was young, she was like, oh, it's the end of the world. Here we go. Yeah, no, 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 no. I honestly thought I wanted to have kids at 19. And then I turned 19 and I was like, I mean, 21 is not that much difference, but it was a big difference because where I was at 19, I was just like 18. I was sober driver. 19, I was the one being sober driven everywhere to all the clubs. You know, we were doing long yeah. weekends. We were just I had two jobs, work, 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 and then I just party, 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 and I was never home. And like, thank God I didn't at 19 because I was really not ready then. But um, yeah, and I, I, I think it also changed the way that I saw relationships you know now being in a relationship like when I met my partner and like one of the first things we discussed you know because I'm like I go straight in when I have chats so our second night we met like we had a really deep chat and I was just like you know at the end of the day I'm not um (laughs) I'm not interested in having kids and not being with someone like that really that's just really high on my not to-do list because I've seen how it affected me and I just never and I also turned into a thing of I don't want to share my kids with someone like I want my kids to be home with me all the time I don't want to have to you know send them elsewhere Mm. but then it also made me realize it's a lot easier said than done because there have been situations you know it's been four years of us working navigating this whole parenting and stuff and our individual trauma between myself and my kid's dad has popped up on more occasions than I can count. And there are times where I'm just like, I'm done. Like, I want to be done. 
Okay, so now, okay, now that you've had kids and you've you've always you're going through that experience right now, you're going to be going through this for the rest of your life. Do you think before you have kids or before people choose to have kids, they should go through some sort of testing, some sort of counseling, therapy? Because I don't necessarily. We've already been through this in one of the episodes how we were talking about how people are not. Um, like psychologically uh, like mentally financially everything like stable in order to bring life into this world so do you think that should be or do you think you would have loved to have done that before you had kids i think when you like when when the test comes back positive you think you're ready and there are a lot of things i did to get ready which included you know a lot of um unpacking with with my partner to be like what do we want to do different? What did we appreciate that our parents did for us? And what opportunities do we have to change the narrative that we've been presented with? And I thought we had uncovered it all. Yeah, no. Oh, mate, not even close. And that's not that's not to say that we're both so fucked up and we shouldn't have had kids. I think we're a lot more self-aware and on top of things than other people our age could have been, especially given our situations. Like if you understood the trauma that both of us have behind us, we're doing pretty well like we are mm. and our kids are very well catered for in terms of emotionally you know a lot of the times like you know my kids dressing came up for example like, i'm not fussed like my son he likes to run jump do flips and shit, whatever so i'll dress him in whatever's comfortable and i know him i know he needs to wear things that are comfortable for him to move and i swear this is relevant i know that he <laughs> needs to wear long shorts like grubby sandals just to be able to do flips and shit. i'm not gonna go out and buy him a tommy hill figure track suit that he's gonna walk around and be scared to stain or whatever because he's not going to be comfortable so he doesn't always look the best compared to other kids especially i found parents our age they really emphasize their kids looking their best you know they want to have their little gucci little sets and their adidas track pants i find that just like another way of like projecting your insecurities behind you having nothing growing up and then you want your kids to have everything it's not necessarily going to it's benefit not, them yeah. in the long run they're just going to be fucking spoiled people exactly and I, that's why like I, you know I've, I've had like a few comments while my kids have been growing up of like oh huh at least my kids don't wear Kmart clothes and I'm like you know what at least my kids are emotionally stable their security and their attachment is on point my kids have known from a young age who is important to them who their family is and um and what that means to them and security and attachment is something that's really undervalued when it comes to kids and i've done i've done a lot of reading on that and i've had people comment on it before that my kids have a secure attachment to me in a way that they know who i am and they know that when i leave i'm coming back Mm -hmm. so i tell i've always told them from a young age i'm going here i'll be back here and because they've been brought up in such a safe environment they understand that when i say i'm coming back i'm coming back yeah. The time frame, you know, time is lost on them. But then the attachments there, you know, when I, there's been times that, you know, if someone new is holding my daughter or my son, they'll like, when they were babies, they would look at me from a distance, but because they could see me, that was all they needed. So the attachment was there and they were safe in their own space to know that I can see my mom, that's all I need. Mm-hmm. And little ways that, you know, my kids have shown that they're, um, that they're growing up in a safe and secure environment. There are things that like, I keep saying it's really hard. It really is. You have we have to you have to actively Yeah, I'm really actively like think about not, not saying it. Yeah, and it's taking away from my story. But anyway, there are uh, a lot of times that you know, wins are wins whatever they look like for you and some things aren't that big to other people than they are to us. But I think that a lot of the like the oh my god, I'm going to cry. A lot of the wins Aww. that we have how long did it this take? is this is what i'm saying this is what i'm saying like 
even I was going to cry when I was talking about I know, my I story. Saw your tears. I was like, <laughs> I, was like I need to look away. Uh, anyway, um, a lot of the. It's fine. They can't see. I know, but the camera's going. <laughs> anyway, a lot of the wins that we have as parents, like they're not. Um, I'm going to say um when I'm crying. Okay, it's okay. It's fine. A lot of the wins that we have, they're not necessarily, you know, like I don't care if my kid can count from one to ten. I don't. I mean, he can. Thank God for that. Um, I don't really care if they sleep through the night. What's important to me is who they have around them, and also that their upbringing is so different to what we might have had. Or be, yeah. Or be lacking. Give me a sec. I knew this was going to be like such an emotional episode, and I was like, maybe these. I was like, maybe I should bring some tissues because oh. I feel like I was going to like, I feel like I probably am going to cry to be honest. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, I'm back. I'm back, and my voice isn't cracking. I'm still crying, but my voice is better. But uh, without like calling anyone out, or you know, trying to say how much. When I say trauma, trauma can be anything. So trauma is subjective to the person. So what's traumatic for me is not traumatic for someone else. Yeah. So when I say that, you know, there's trauma for both myself and my kid's dad, you can feel, you, it's not up to you to know what that trauma is. Just know there was some. And when it comes to the way that I'm raising my kids... I think you're, you're really actively trying not to project that trauma that you and your partner are going through onto your kids as well. Like you're, yeah. you're trying everything in, in your power to make sure that they don't feel how you guys feel or experience what you guys have experienced. Definitely. So, like, I think that's why it's such a touchy subject as well. It's like you have two humans that you now have to take into consideration and you need to, like, work extra, not extra hard, but, like... Actively making decisions. The way I look at it is I wake up every day and I actively make decisions that will benefit them. Yeah. And, like, one of those, like, you know, it's... Yeah, like, what small wins is that my kids already um have like a more stable relationship than what myself and my kids dad have been witness to and there are times that like our trauma pops up and i'm just like wow like this isn't even a big deal to other people but you know there are times that i my um my kids will be at home with their dad because obviously i work he works so we take turns with them and you know he looks at the kids and he's in um like in some respect and he just says i just can't believe my parents take this for granted oh we're gonna be a hot mess literally we should take a break soon <sighs> yeah soon. eat I'll have a drink i'm gonna have a drink after this but um yeah i think a lot of parents it's very easy to be selfish it's very very easy to be selfish and decide that you want to do you but at the cost of your kids if i could sit down with a lot of parents and explain to them what um, their decisions have done and the way they've impacted whole ass adults. Like there are whole ass grown adults that I know whose parenting and decisions have left adults to feel broken. I'd love to be able to because, you know, um, my kids... Take your time. I know. Thank God we can crop, crop <laughs> everything. So I will just... Forget whatever I just said then because I, I realised the point I was trying to make. And the point I was trying to make is that our trauma pops up in different ways and our parents traumatise us on the daily, obviously. But something that's going to stay with me forever is the fact that I, you know, as a parent, you talk to your kids. Like, even if you talk shit, like, I'll sit down and sometimes I just need a vent and I'll be like, OMG, Kyrie, guess what happened today? And, like, he has no idea what's happening, but he's like, yeah, yeah. And he's really engaging. And there was a time that when um, 
when we, when he was a lot younger, he was a baby. Uh, his dad turned to him and he said to him, um, like pretty much something along the lines of, you're never going to have to suffer the way I did. And I know that, and I know that, um, I know that because I picked a good mum for you. See, that's a little, that's like validating in a way, like you're doing something right. Oh, definitely. I was like, hey, say it to me next time. (laughs) (laughs) But that was really important because it just showed to me like, like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to say like however much I want (laughs) while I'm crying. I'll save it for later. But that also just reminded me that it's a choice, you know, and I sometimes... I feel bad for saying this, but I throw it back to my mom and be like, why am I dealing with your decision to be with my dad? Because that's what it came down to sometimes. And I'd be like, you know, that was your decision. You chose him. They both chose each other, obviously. You chose to have me, but I'm the one who's now dealing with the repercussions of that and whatever that means. And hearing that conversation between my son and his dad just... You know, I, sometimes I just feel like my relationship kind of just happened. It was a fluke. I feel pregnant, blah, blah, blah. We're together. All good. But then hearing that conversation, it just kind of showed to me that there was some degree of choice. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't just, this wasn't a trap, but also the decision to have a child together. I took it very seriously. And, you know, my kid's dad, he's a bit of a grump. Like he's a bit grumpy all the time. And a lot of people were just like, I don't get it. Like, you guys are so different because I'm just, I'm so happy, as you can tell. And I'm just a lot more outgoing than he is. And I constantly say the same thing that, you know, our our core values and what we want for our future, for our kids are the same. We might get lost along the way when it comes to little things. You know, our personalities clash all the time. And there are things that he does that frustrate me. And I'm sure I'm very annoying. But when it comes down to it, we both have the same agenda when it comes to the way that we want our children to be brought up. And no matter what, I know if I was to leave tomorrow, if he was to leave tomorrow and we were to not be a couple anymore, our ideas for our kids would still stay the same. There's no pettiness. There's nothing because we both know how it feels to have that experience you know your parents relationships and the repercussions your problem becoming your own problem and we know that the kids come first and we're just still trying to make decisions to benefit them every day wow yeah see i've definitely said a a lot on here about like my um my opinion on having children so a lot of that stems from like my own trauma as well. So I'm cry now. <laughs> once you start crying, you can't stop fucking crying. Yeah, it's like even just fucking little things hell. are gonna be like, oh, look at that avocado on toast. I'm so sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've already spoken about like my no male figure in my life. So I spent a lot of my childhood alone, even though I did grow up like around a lot of my cousins and stuff like that. Like a huge family. I've already mentioned that. However, in my household, it was very lonely. Like, I don't have any siblings either. So, it's not like I could talk to, like, other siblings as well. Like, you have siblings as So, you could have talked to them. But for me, I was always left at home by myself. Like, just to paint a picture of little Rowani. So, (laughs) I started travelling to and from school, primary school, by myself from six. So, like, just picture, like, a six-year-old going to and from school by herself. And the first time that I had it, I, 
my mom got me a phone. I was like six or something. So like when I woke up, I had to call her. When I left home, I had to call her. When I got to school, call her. And then vice versa coming back. Um, it even got to the point we moved a little bit further. So I was catching the bus. So like like a little kid catching a bus, sometimes she would she would uh, transition from daytime, nighttime, she, night shift and all that sort of stuff. But night shift... I just remember like I would come home and then she would already have dinner. So I would have to like, I would have to make my own, like she would already make my dinner, but like I would have to heat it up. I would have to do my homework. I would have to do my own cleaning and stuff like that. And then make sure I was in bed. She would always tell me, don't answer the door. Cause you never know what could happen. Like you're, I'm a little girl. Like, so there was a lot of like loneliness, I guess. Like, and because I grew up like that, it's, I had that, perception that I literally don't need anyone because I did that by myself from a really young age so it's like it's it's really comforting like to hear your perspective like how you want to be there for your children it's just like it's it's traumatizing for a child to to do everything an adult does at such a young age but you know and I love my parents and it's not like you know they did what they had to do but it was really selfish to put me through that and that's that's just generally why like I'm such an independent person I don't rely on anyone because I haven't had to do it since like five like literally five so but even that like it it just comes with its all like a whole other other can of worms like I wouldn't say it was neglect because or maybe it might be neglect I don't know it sort of it's like and there were there were certain things that I wasn't supposed to tell like the rest of my family because, you know, obviously that's like something that you know, I would have got taken away sort of thing because to be left alone that at that age doing what I did like. But what was the alternative? Yeah. Like adoption? I feel like adoption would have been even worse. Or like even then, like going if I were to get custody, like my my dad were to get custody, it's sort of like there's such a disconnect there because he wasn't there in general so i just don't understand um how parents can bring children into the world if that is sort of the only alternative so it's like my worst fear is to bring a child into this world and they deal with that Mm. because of my own selfishness it makes sense why you don't want kids though like, like I didn't blame and, you. and people always ask me they're always like you know when are you gonna have kids like I've been with my partner for fucking almost nine years it's like it's not that on top of that like we're not ready even though we've been together for ages it's like it doesn't necessarily have to be at the top of our to-do list but it's sort of like I have to I'm dealing with my own shit as put together as I might seem it's like I still have all this shit from when I was a child that is still undealt with and it will pop up if you have kids. So yeah, I exactly. Really recommend everyone deal with. Like your I don't, trauma. I don't necessarily think I'm gonna. Well, now that yeah, it, it is pretty fucked up. But like now that I'm a grown ass adult, like I can talk about it. But yeah, like people literally don't understand like what it's like to be left alone at such a young age with no one. Like even though I spent a lot of time with, you know, like with my. Fijian family and stuff like that I still had to go home and then that was my reality it's like we had social media like six year olds now they have a phone they're on social media the phone that I had that my mum gave me was one of those Nokia's you know with (laughs) snake and Tetris it was one of those it's not like it wasn't even coloured screen still had buttons yeah so 
you know there was only so much that i could do like i just i even remember like some nights when it was like really dark and the only thing that I would do like to comfort me was to keep the TV on and just stay in front of the TV like I didn't even move around the house because you know like you're by yourself in a really dark house like what are you gonna do especially at like six years old six seven years old like and then like I even see like parents with their kids and I'm like oh fuck they're so spoiled like you're always around them like and I didn't understand it but like the way I grew up was not normal yeah that's not everyone's yeah oh yeah like (laughs) borderline neglect (laughs) but it's you know it's what had to be done in order for the parent that had custody over me it's it's what she had to do for the life that i have today oh man see you you know what i like from what you just said like what really stuck with me is that like people just make little comments or they ask little questions not realizing like it's a lot deeper than that like it's yeah 100 percent like you know people were like why don't you have more kids i thought you wanted like eight and i was like yeah and people just don't understand my my reasoning behind me saying it's selfish to bring children into the world because there is so much of the population that are traumatized there's so many broken people having children that are that don't deal with their brokenness or they don't like they just turn a blind eye to the trauma that they've just swept under the rug it's like that's why i'm saying i find it a really good idea to if you if parents want to have kids that they should do like some sort of testing some sort of uh i don't know therapy or something like just to make sure that they're compatible as couples before they bring life into this world just because you're fertile doesn't mean you should be bringing life into the world and i understand people might like really want a child but also where is that preconceived idea coming from why do you want a child so much are you ready to have a child a, there's a difference between having a baby and like raising a human some people are really good at the logistics of i'm really good at waking up at 4 a.m and changing the nappy and feeding them okay or like just because you're financially stable do you think that's enough yeah no there are so many times that like we'll be sitting there and like having discussions and um like he'll look at me and be like your trauma's popping up like is this a is this a like a real thing or is this a, a decision you're making based on your trauma and like i'll do the same like i'll be like that's not a real thing you know like there are situations where my kids will be spoiled in certain aspects and i don't think it's spoiled because i think it's just basic things like i can give it to them so why i'm not and then there are times where their dad's like oh but like do they really need it and i'm like mm, yes like yes because that's what you do when you have children you do what's best for them and you know at the first year was hard because there were a lot of things that he thought I was just being over the top with that he looked back and was like, no, I was just neglected. So you're not over the top. You're doing it right. Because I said to him, there's no such thing in terms of, like, I understand the idea of spoiling, but giving the right amount is better than not giving enough. And, you know, there are just little things that I'd just be like, I'm I'm not being dramatic like this is what I want this is what they're going to get because I can do that I will do that that's another thing like with being spoiled I was spoiled and I feel like like making up for lost time or like the neglect we can call it what it is now like because of the neglect it was made up with gifts so I had every single thing that I wanted I had and it was given to me um and I feel like that that's just sort of like a, a coping mechanism for, I don't know, 
must have been like a coping mechanism to make, make up for all the lost better. time and make them feel better like okay let's get her something materialistic mm. this is uh, that's probably why now as an adult i hate materialistic things i don't like bags i don't like you know what i mean like no, even though here i am with my iphone and all that <laughs> sort of stuff but like they need so yeah like all those sort of things that i i grew up with getting gifts for uh, everything that i hate anyway so that's our lived experiences clearly we need help <laughs> definitely um i hope people appreciate the vulnerability because like i haven't even had this talk with some of my friends and they know most of it but they don't know no this is why i yeah like it's it's we're in a vulnerable state where like we're actually vocalizing and putting it into a like a story form like painting a picture for people so they can understand how we ended up the way that we did like what and i always ask people i even asked my friend this the other day i was like why like why do you think you turned out the way that you did and that, that's necessary like literally like people ask me you know you're, you're such as like a strong and independent person i'm like i had no choice like yeah. i had to like this is that i had no choice when i was younger so w what do you think i'm going to continue on as an adult you know what's interesting so myself and my two close friends actually all my friends i've ever been good friends with we all come from broken homes yeah and without realizing myself and my two friends who both have kids we both have the, we have the same mentality that we've it's not necessarily a good thing that we've said this, but I'm just going to say that we have said it and we've turned to our partners and we've said, look, I don't need you. I want you here. I don't need you. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't. I don't. And I want you here and that should be enough to keep you here. But if it's not, like, you're never going to hear me beg. I need you. I can't do this without you. I can and I will. And we've made that very clear from the get go when it came to having our kids because their situations are different to mine, but we've all had absent parents and parents who made decisions that weren't necessarily putting the kids first. And in the way that we parent, we're, we're all like, the kids come first. So like, get ready because if shit's not going the way it's meant to be, I'm fully yep. prepared to make the best decision for the kids. They're all good now, by the way, like, you know, <laughs> but we have had the dis discussion, you know, just, I have tried to ask them like, you know, how has that how has your trauma impacted you as a parent and without even realizing we've all pretty much said the same thing like yes i love him yes i want him to have all my babies and i want to marry him and spend the rest of my life with him but because we've all seen our one parent do it on their own we're like i know i can do it i just don't want to and that's why yeah. i want i want him to be here so that's like our uh, almost one hour of our lived experiences um Let's get into the actual episode where we unpack stuff. <laughs> unpack more. If, <laughs> if we're capable of doing that. But, you know, obviously we're going to like the definitions and stuff. So I was doing research and generally the main consensus behind what a broken family is, is when there is an absent biological parent. So Lani has had, she knows both her, her biological parents. However, she has a step parent or like a step parent was present me however i actually did have an absent biological parent and i was just raised by a single mother so yeah so or both parents may still be together and at the same time be absent i feel like that's worse yeah. i'd rather you be absent than you be present in my household and just not there not be physically here yeah um or generally it just means we're like the nuclear members can't function as a whole. So nuclear members, according to like the nuclear family dynamic, which basically the nuclear family ideal is something that was sort of formulated 
post industrialization or like after yeah. after the industrial revolution the first revolution like early like late 1800s early 1900s and it, it basically just means like a family unit that includes two married parents of the opposite sex and their biological children so that's like that ideal yeah um and also also that like idealization started at the the start of capitalism Definitely. my favorite topic <laughs> <laughs> so that's just like the basis of you know what what an i like what the societal like. what a societal norm is yeah. of like a yeah under capitalism what a family is supposed to be mm-hmm. but even like like if, you, if we talk about like absent parents there's emotionally absent physically absent or you know you as a child can formulate feelings of neglect hatred unhappiness we've just had a cry so obviously <laughs> you know we have a combination of all of that stuff that's still undealt with so we can talk about the absent family dynamics so one or more absent parents what about adoption Adoption is tricky. And it really is. The thing that I find with adoption that's a little bit tricky is, so when you have a child, like you can probably relate to this, but like when you give birth, there's like a, a love hormone that's released. It's called oxytocin, right? So in that, as soon as you give birth, there's that um, that release of that hormone where that's why you have to do the skin to skin contact yeah, as soon as you have like children. So, and that's that bond that you're feeling. So like your child can get a feel and a smell of like who their biological parent is. And then you do that with a father. So when it comes to adoption, there's always going to be a little bit of a disconnect because they already don't get that feeling. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know, like there, there have been, I did come across a couple of studies with like adoption and like um, what children go through, like throughout their adolescent teenage. And like, there's always a form of rebellion. And it's it always just stems from the fact that they don't have that that pure connection with their biological yeah. parents. So that's a really tricky one with like adoption as well. Um, blended families. So you you can attest to blended families. Yeah. Do you did you get along or do you get along with everyone or did that take a while or did you understand it? I mean, everyone's been in my life since like before I could properly speak. So it's just been, I wasn't really in a situation to choose whether I go along with them or not. Like they were just yeah. losing my parents. So that was just your normality. Yeah, that's normal. my normal. Like yeah. I ne- never really questioned it. In terms of my siblings, so both my parents, after they had me, had two children each. Uh, my mom had two kids pretty much immediately after. So I'm, for example, I'm 24, my brother's 21 and my other brother's turning 20. Mm. Whereas my dad had waited a bit longer and my sister just turned 12 and my brother is 15. Mm. So they had waited a bit longer in between there. And I'm actually not that close with any of my siblings, which is sad because I wish I had a normal sibling relationship. So my two brothers under me, they have a lot of uh, mental health issues and just a lot of issues. A lot of issues. Yeah. So I was never really a sister to them. I kind of parented them. Okay. So I was like a third. Because you're the oldest, right? I'm the oldest. Yeah. And I'm the 2.5 parent. So they had their parents and they had me. Yeah. So my brother, for context, uh, he is on the autism spectrum and he suffers with severe anxiety and depression. And an example of what that looks like is when he started high school. So he was in coming into year seven, but before that, when he was in year six, I brought him to my school, high school frequently to get him used to things. I showed him, this is where you line up. 
so let's do this i was responsible for making sure that he had everything he needed and if you know there were times in school that i just have to be on alert in case i got called to come help him with something if he wasn't coping or anything like that so that was kind of the dynamics of my my two brothers at home i did a lot of that kind of stuff and then when it came to my brother and sister from my dad's side they were just so young and i was also so young and i wasn't really there enough you know we had fun like we have fun but i don't like my sister and i are just getting to a point where we talk we have a lot of similarities which is funny because it makes me question nature versus nurture because mm -hmm. i'm quite similar to my mom yet me and my sister have similarities and she's from my dad um, but the similarities that we have is she's quite passionate when it comes to activism yeah and that's something that i'm very passionate about so we chat about that and we're being able to talk and i'm just trying to create a safe space for her to know that i'm not on anyone's side i'm not on like your mom or my dad's side i'm i'm on your side like you could i want to be able to have that i want to navigate that relationship but i also don't know how to because i've never really seen it done I also came across, so in terms of blended families, a couple of characteristics that show up in um, children or teenagers, whatever, were identity confusion, financial difficulties. I'm assuming that it was, might be from the parents. <laughs> um, infringing on territory. So one parent might want uh, have power, uh, power dynamic over the other or something like that. And yeah. sibling rivalry. Yeah, so. I remember there was a stage when I was younger because I was an only child, obviously, for like three or four years. Yeah. But I also grew up very closely with my grandparents. So I was spoiled for time and affection and love. And then I remember one day, I think I was like four or five and I started crying and I go, mom, how come nobody loves me the way they love the baby? Because my brother was just born. So it used to be when I'd come over, everyone would run out, Lonnie is here. But suddenly there's a baby and babies are just more interesting. But yeah. I was really like... I was shattered because I was like, don't they still love me? Like, am I not the center of everyone's attention? And you know, my mom had to say to me, of course you are like, and you're still fun. You're still this, but babies are just, it's a new baby. They don't see the baby. They've had you for a few years. They want to play with the new baby and you together. So then I would always be around him. Just like, mm. I'm cute. I'm still here. And yeah, so that was definitely confusing to jump from you know, spoil for time, attention and affection. Um, and there were also some studies that I definitely related to that I came across um, in terms of children of single parent households that are more likely to exhibit like behavioural difficulties. So disobedience, temper tantrums, lying. I don't I wasn't really much of those, but educational difficulties. So underachievement and truancy triggered i skipped <laughs> a lot of school i've already spoken about how i really didn't like the education system as it is i didn't like the i guess the content that i was learning and i always felt like i was just i wasn't learning what i wanted to learn this is just me thinking that i know it all <laughs> but i just the education system is something that's flawed to me um also psychological problems so low self-esteem depression and lack of confidence me like People think that I'm the most confident person in the world, but I'm actually not. Um, I don't know about depression. Maybe. Well, I just had a cry, so who <laughs> fucking knows. Toxic family behaviours. Also, like, abusive families. So that, that that comes into, like, broken families as well. Like, you could have your family, like, your traditional nuclear family. Is that still considered, like, a, a put-together family if it's an abusive one? Mm. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like divorce. This is in a lot of Pacific Island, yeah, Pacific Island households. 
physical abuse is normalized who knows what other like emotional manipulation as well financial yes like i don't know what Mm. it's a really it's a really tricky one I feel like you can't even, even even if your parents are abusive, like it's really hard to tell them to get help because they always think that you're in the right. Like there's always that power dynamic. Like I brought you into the world, I can take you out yeah. sort of thing. And I think it's also hard because parents don't understand that. So something I really struggled with when I, because when I first, you know, got together with my partner was that you can still love your parents and not like them. Mm -hmm. you can also love your parents like the thing that is ringing in my head the past week especially is more than one thing can be true at the same time you can be my parent and also traumatize me i can love you and you can still be toxic the two can coexist and that was something that he really struggled with because he would take it personally if i said like oh when your parent did that that wasn't very good and he's like you're talking about my parent like that and mm-hmm. I'm like, but it's the truth. I'm just stating the fact of this is what they did. And we finally got into a place where he's like, yeah, fuck that. Like, yes, you're my parent, but no, you can't do that. Just because my, you know, I'm your parent, it's not an excuse. Yeah. And that was something that I think having his own kids made him realize because he grew up in such a no environment, everything was no. Whereas yeah. I grew up in a very, but why? Like, you know, tell me no, but just tell me why. Mm-hmm. I didn't probably didn't like it, but I still want to know why. Reasons just helped me. And then, you know, so sometimes my son turns around and he's like trying to have give a bit of attitude. And I can see his dad gets triggered because he's like, I would never have been allowed to do that. And I'm like, because you weren't brought up in a space where you can safely express how you feel. If my son turned around and said at three years old, fuck you, we'd be having problems. But mm-hmm. if he turns around and says, no, mommy, I don't want to sleep. Okay, why not? tell me why if he you know i've seen situations where um kids are getting kids are getting in trouble for little things you know like obviously everyone knows their kid i'm not saying that you don't know your kid but i know for example i look i've read somewhere that when kids say that their tummy hurts that's them expressing that they're anxious because they don't know what anxiety feels like and lately my son's been saying his tummy hurts and i've started realizing that it's when we're going certain places or we're going somewhere new or he doesn't know where we're going so he'll sit in the car and be like oh mommy's so tummy and i'm yeah. like okay what do you need and so we've gotten to a point where he knows that he needs water because water i don't know why i just randomly picked up something healthy i can give him that will make him feel like he's calm so i give him water and if we're somewhere and like there's new people around to be like oh mommy's so tummy i need water he comes has that water because he was given that freedom to express himself we've got to the root of it whereas other times i'm sure if the first time that we went somewhere and his dad wasn't with me and he'd be like oh dad i have a sore tummy under the pressure he's there would have been like it's okay you're fine taking that time to be like what do you need how can we do this and just the difference in like the way that we're brought up keeps popping up in our parenting and i forgot what the point of this was what were we just talking about i was talking about abusive families yeah yeah yeah, so pretty much like growing up in in a no environment in a quite toxic environment where you weren't allowed to ask questions it was do as you're told and not you know don't ask any questions Mm It's making his, like, it's, I see the shift in the parenting that we're delivering because I'm fine with asking questions and I'm fine with there being, you know, it's not just I'm your parent, so you have to. The boundaries, I'm trying to loosen them a bit because I want to be able to engage. But then there comes times where I'm like, yeah, no, this is, this is a no, no. Mm. But I don't want it to be always a no, 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 because there's no reason for it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be so negative, you know, like there, to this day, which is frustrating for me, my kid's dad asked me, can I eat this if it's in the cupboard? And I'm like, bro, 
it's our money it's our groceries you can eat whatever you want in there he goes oh fuck sorry i'm just used to being told no Mm. because you grew up in a household where you know your parents just said no for no reason you know like there's the trauma that's there especially when it comes to food insecurity it's still prevalent to this day as a grown-ass adult and i'm like to him why are you doing this again man like this is your fridge open it eat whatever you want you don't have to ask for permission oh i just wasn't sure whose it was who else could it be there's four of us that live here it's yours and like little you know your parents don't have to break up for them to be toxic or for situations to come up like this yeah i feel like a toxic trait of mine that i picked up from my upbringing as well is how my sharing i absolutely hate sharing and that's (laughs) something that my partners had to teach me but i just i had that like such an individualistic um trait like i just thought about myself and because all i had to do and we've already like i've already had to cry about it like how much i've had to care for myself so i had that individual individualistic um trait that i had to like sort of snap out of and i think that's why now i i'm so into like working as a collective to make a change because it's something that was missing during my upbringing as well yeah but i still to this day like my partner will be like even when it comes to money like we we half everything because i'm like you're not going to pay for everything blah blah, yeah. blah 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 we'll half everything but even then i'll be like um are you gonna send me that 32 cents and he's like are you fucking serious <laughs> i'm like hey every cent counts blah, blah 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 like that sort of stuff and i'm like oh it's still something that i'm learning like sharing but I don't know. Like, it's just something that I've never had to do. Like, I don't have siblings. I was by myself. Blah, blah, blah. I get everything myself as well. Also, yeah, it's a a tough one. Um, Another toxic behavior is narcissism. Mm -hmm. Intergenerational trauma that hasn't been dealt with, which is just such a big one. Like, obviously, you can see, like, it's such a huge, like, passing that on to your kids when you haven't dealt with your trauma, like, fucking get some help please like please like we are grown ass adults crying over shit that's happened from our childhood 19 years ago someone's gonna send this to my mom and she's literally gonna punch me um but i'm just saying talk to you and be like nah that's another thing not talking up maybe like one of your parents projecting insecurities and life goals or unachieved potential onto you oh my god my dad wanted me to be a golfer like, yeah, so funny story. For the longest time, even when I left school, I I wanted to be a flight attendant, right? And then I did try and I got to like certain extents where I could have. Like I even, I remember I um, made it to flight school, but then like I couldn't, like at the at the time I was the breadwinner in my, in my household. So I was paying for everything. So I was like, oh, nah. um, I can always come back to it. But then I, I actually did some digging and then realized my want to be a flight attendant stemmed from my mum wanting to be when she was younger and she projected that onto me so it wasn't even it was like a preconceived idea as to what she wanted to do when she was younger and then i just expected that i wanted to do it but it's not it's not something that i wanted to do (laughs) um and yeah like that's just her projecting her unachieved goals onto your child like I don't know if any parents are listening to this, but let's try not to do that. Like, let your child come to their own. Yeah. Okay, another big one in a broken, like, broken home, broken family, whatever you want to call it. Fighting in front of your kids. Mm. 
What are your opinions on that? I've definitely seen that and I can I know how traumatizing that can be. Yeah, I grew up in like my my parents my mum was very triggered and she definitely has done a lot of work since I was younger. So I wish they like I wish she was my parent right now, like I was two again, because it would have been a lot different. And my parents they didn't agree on a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. And I I do remember there being times where there was just like arguments um as they handed me over like on the handover and i you know what i realized this year and it was really really like alarming was that i i assume that any any conflict is my fault so i always think that whatever i've like whatever anyone like i'm if anyone's mad, I think it's my fault. I can walk into work and they've got a busy day and my manager can look at me the wrong way and I'll think, oh my God, what have I done? And I realized that was because I, when I grew up, if my parents were arguing, it was usually over me. Right. So I would just, I just got into my head that it was like, I'm really like, if someone says hello to me weird, I spend the whole day wondering what I did wrong. Oh, it's really, really bad. And I'm just like, oh, my God, maybe it's because I said this. And it's also uh, really made me struggle with the way that I, I guess, the way I connect with people because there's a barrier between me and them because I always just think I'm going to do something wrong. You know, there was a time. It's like even that, that week where you were like, oh, oh like, I don't want to let you down, but can we not? Yeah. Like, the fuck? Like, <laughs> I think I'm bitch, just, this is free. We can take as much time off as we I want. Know. But I just really struggle with, you know, like the other day at work, I said hello to this guy. This is how bad it is sometimes. I said hello to this guy and he was a bit dry to me and I was like, hmm, I wonder what that's about. I spent like an hour trying to figure it out and then I mm. just remembered that he um he had surgery he's just not feeling well yeah but i'm there making it about me and if um someone's in a bad mood i automatically just I'm like okay what have i done in the past week that could have potentially triggered them and it's gotten really bad like this year especially i've been really working on it like like this is not a you thing this is a them thing like the whole world doesn't revolve it's not that i think the world revolves around me it's just in my world there was a very uh, there was a very hectic time where if there was any conflict or contention between my parents it had something to do with me right subconsciously i just then became used to that being my normal yeah so no. i would just be on high alert all the time which is really exhausting because i'm actually not that problematic so i'm like i would then make myself sound problematic so I come home sometimes and before I react, I, I just sit down and I'm like, okay, at work, blah, 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 blah. And he'll be like, okay, but you haven't done anything. So what's the chance of it being you? And mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know, but what about, because I sneezed and I didn't say bless you. And he's like, okay. So I don't think that was you, but you could always just ask. But I do think you're blowing this a bit out of proportion. And like, if someone, if one of my friends texted me really dry, I'll be like, read this. What is it? How does it sound to you? And he's like, it just sounds like they forgot to put an emoji. And I'm like, yeah, they always put an emoji. And he's like, maybe they're busy. And then later my friend will text me and be like, sorry, I was really dry. I was just in the middle of something. Yeah. But I'm already 500 steps ahead, ready to send an apology for I don't even know what. Yeah. Um, and then the last heading I had was like adult trauma because of childhood. So some of the dot points were no stability or instability in love because that's all you know like is mm, jumping around yeah like for me in my i wasn't necessarily surrounded by many success successful quote-unquote successful relationships like yeah. there weren't many 
representational like <laughs> good um what do you call it like role models role models in terms of like what a relationship is supposed to be like because there was just my mom's a single parent a lot of my aunties were single parents um some of the 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 relationships that i did see there was like domestic violence or it was so very few like a very few that you know were worked well but i didn't really have much to go off so the relationship that i'm in i I was in relationships before the one that i'm in now but this is obviously the one that i count as like my actual first one because like yeah there was a lot that came up at the start that i wasn't really sure about but we did a lot of unpacking and stuff like that and you know we're at a good place i guess now um so that's a really big one like no like and i think people struggle with relationships obviously you know there's capitalism like what's the point of being in a relationship at the moment um but like instability is a is a really i don't know it's just not normalized to be in a I don't know what relationships are these days. Yeah, I've got no idea what they're meant to look like. I'm just I can't it. even imagine. I've never been on a dating app. So if you see my face on a dating app, let me know. Because that ain't me. Um, but I've never... I don't understand like virtual dating. I don't understand... Like, I don't know. It, it, it just baffles me, Yeah. to be honest. I'm really thankful that I got like the relationship that I have and how it, how it started. It wasn't on an app. It wasn't, yeah. you know, like it was face-to-face interaction I, I can't i don't even know um another point was fatherlessness we've already gone through that and <laughs> i don't know because there's no yeah we've already covered like fatherlessness in i think the feminist episode yeah, it wasn't that great that that episode we'll probably go back to it but like there was no uh, male figure in my household so there was no like misogyny there was no like patriarchal like dominance or anything in my household so I would think that was like a positive thing, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But there also are there negatives because I think you need so the balance. Yeah, like you need a balance to know like what is right from wrong, sort of thing. Yeah. Considering this is a system that we live under that benefits men, yeah. it would have helped to know that earlier on. Yeah. Rather than having to come to terms with that as an adult. Yeah. All right, I've got a question for you. So you know how that I've have you heard the saying you pick a partner like your father? Is your partner similar to your dad at all, or your mom? Because I have a theory about that saying. I think you pick a partner who's prevalent to the opposite sex, closest adult in your life. You know what I mean? So if you have an absent father but you grow up with an uncle who's like your dad, I think you're more likely to mirror those traits. Yeah. Yeah, they are actually. Now that you think about it, in the good or bad ways, <laughs> like they're so chill and so like unproblematic. My dad's great, actually. Like he's a really great guy. Mm. It's, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think like I was doing some reflecting, and in terms of like my situation, I think I'm more similar to my partner's sister because she was a very prevalent female figure in his life. Mm. rather than a mother mm. and when we first met it was one of the first things he said wow you know mind blown yeah that's been my theory explosion sound effect <laughs> we need to get that on because wow. we're so similar and he and i said it's funny though because she annoys you so much yeah i'm quite similar to her 
in certain ways. Are you saying you're annoying? Oh, yeah, I don't know I am. (laughs) (laughs) But the things that annoy him about her is that she's so loud and she talks so much. And I'm like, wow. That's you. Do you know who you're with? (laughs) And he's like, but it's different. And I'm like, yeah, but look what you just, you manifested Mm. that. Mm. In a lack of communication as well. If there's no communication in your household growing up, then what, like, how do you think that you're going to communicate with other people growing up as well? It's something that you have to learn if it wasn't something that was just instilled in your household growing up. And if you were brought up in a house where there was no healthy communication and people used domestic violence instead, when it came to arguments, you can be triggered by having healthy discussions. Yeah, They can seem like an attack. I've found that I could literally most, I could probably slap, my baby daddy and he'd be less offended than if I try to have a healthy conversation because he'd be like, I just feel like you're attacking me when you use yeah, words, words. words, yeah. Because they're so foreign to me. I don't know, are you, are you mad at me? Are we breaking up? Is that what's happening? And I'm like, no, I'm just telling you. That really fucks me off when you don't do that. Yeah. Tricky. If I think about it, like I'm pretty, maybe I'm, I have social anxiety to an extent. Mm. Like, my worst nightmare is just being left alone and having to make friends, like in a in a social <laughs> setting. Oh my gosh, I can't picture anything worse. <laughs> yeah, that is scary. Like if I'm going to something that's social, I need to know at least two people there to make it. Because okay. you know, what if one person needs to go to the bathroom and then I'm left with uh, the rest of them? Oh no! Yeah, my worst nightmare. No, I so love- I need two people there at least. Oh no. I'm I learning though. I'm learning though like as an like as an adult to sort of adjust to that stuff. And I think um working in hospitality for years has helped me yeah. in terms of my communication style. Um and how I communicate. Just customer service wise, like you need to be able to talk to like different personalities and stuff like that. So I feel like that played a really pivotal part in me communicating with different personalities. So that helped me a lot. I think if I didn't get into hospitality, I would still be really bad. Yeah. So I've already talked about how I think everything's my fault. <laughs> I also struggle with confrontation because yes. I just never saw healthy confrontation. Like I know it's communication as well, but obviously there was a lot of emotion behind my parents and you know them splitting up. So there was a lot of emotion in the way they communicated. Yeah. And I, so, and it also, it also, like triggered me in a way that I'm I take emotion out of most things which a lot of people struggle with yeah that's me yeah because they're like how can you say it like that and I'm like bruh because I'm not trying to be your friend right now I'm just trying to tell you as a fact what you did was wrong I think today was the first episode we actually put emotion into it because we fucking cried yeah, usually um, I'm but just generally so we're very like we're thinking about the logistics of yeah just take the emotion out of it and tell me what's wrong because it just made life easier to have discussions without the emotion so I yes I'm scared of confrontation but I'm also really good probably not really good to a, to a fault but I can take emotion out of things because that's how I want to be spoken to I don't want the emotion to be in it. Like if I've done something, you know, I had a really good chat with a friend the other day and there was no emotion in it, but she just gave me the facts straight of just some, some ways that my behavior was impacting her, for example. And she pretty much, you know, gave it to me straight and said, I'm trying to be your friend. You make it really hard to be your friend because you don't open up. That was a healthy way to say it. She could have also been like, you're such a fucking bitch and you got so many wars up and I'm just trying to be your friend. And, and then you get really loud when you're trying to be mad and blah, blah. No, it was, it was straight facts. And the way that was delivered, I really resonated with that because 
if she had come to me with too much emotions, I would have been like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, can you just tell me what's wrong? Yeah. And that's what I always say. Just tell me what's wrong. Tell me what I can do. How can I fix it? Don't tell me how you feel. Right. I can't help how you feel. That's a you thing. You can tell me how you think I made oh, you feel. And to add on to that, like when people are emotional, uh, like comforting, I find really hard. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, do you want me to, um, I just like, ignore and I hope for the best. <laughs> Is yeah. this where you want to hug? Oh, okay. Like, yesterday at work, I saw this girl and I was like, oh my God, you're here. And she's like, oh. And I was like, I'm not going to hug you because I'm not a hugger, but that's my hug. Oh, this is my thing. I don't even touch my mom. Yeah. Right? I, I remember, I think it was a birthday or like Christmas. And, like, uh, we shared gifts and stuff like that. And then I literally had to announce. I was like, okay, I'm going to hug you now. <laughs> Don't make this awkward. All right. And then we hugged. It was the most awkward thing ever. Like, yeah. I the hell? When my mom hugs me, I can't. Because I think of her like a friend, not a, yeah. a mom. So, like, t- like, touching her is just weird. Yeah. She'll say the same thing. I count the hugs. So, when my mom hugs me, I'm like, three. <laughs> and she's like, you fucking bitch, can you stop counting and just feel it? And I'm like, look, sis, it feels one way for you, it feels another for me. Yeah. So, like, you know, I've come to this agreement that I let them. Trauma! Hug me. Yeah, I'm like, you can hug me, but I'm not hugging you. Yeah. And I think the last time I hugged my dad was when my grandfather died when I was eight, 16 years ago. Damn. And I stopped kissing him hello when I was like 14 because I was like, I can't be fucked anymore. Like, this is just for fun. Yeah, we probably sound like such unemotional bitches. Trust me, wait until, but, you know what's going to be triggering? Wait until you have kids and you see your parents show up for your kids in ways they didn't for you. That'll be yeah, a different trigger. I've seen that. People are better with grandparents than they are parents, which I get because, you know, 20 years later, you've got more money, more time, more patience. But you know whose problem that is? Not mine. Because sometimes I'm like, little Lani needed that. Yeah, and I think it's like because everything that they sort of know that they did wrong with you they, they can, can do that now it, on yeah. but I, not redo it on your like to your children but like yeah. that's like their second chance yeah and like i see grandparents who are like i've got more money than i did then so now i can afford this and stuff like that and it's really i struggle with this a lot like honestly probably monthly separating myself from my kids and being like i'm glad my kids are getting that but i'm also sad because i needed that mm. i'm talking about confrontation we went we went from confrontation to this um i'm i'm the same as well like i struggle with confrontation Mm. purely it's really common in the pacific island community like when there is a person of higher authority telling you off like you shut up like you you don't say anything it's usually like when they're telling you off they're like don't you speak or like when you're crying they're like why are you crying i'm like what do you mean why am i crying bro (laughs) like first of all you just whacked the shit out of me and now i need to not cry what are you talking about <laughs> so that's sort of like transcended into my adult life as well like when mm. it comes to confrontation and people can probably attest to this when they listen to the podcast because we i've been told by my own friends you've probably been told by yours as well like how we sort of hold back yeah but i think we're learning to sort of like open up and be confrontational There's with one no another because that either. i feel like that's what you want when you listen to like a podcast yeah. like you want the drama so i guess we're getting there but in terms of like just fighting with people in person like even i find when i'm like in a place of employment when there's like my boss like i find it really hard which i've learned over time to like voice my unhappiness or something like you know what i mean like just anyone of a higher authority i find really hard to confront about how i feel and stuff like that i'm getting you know what my toxic trade is when customers want to fight i'm so ready 
So oh, custom is hundred percent. I'm ready for confrontation, but I feel like I, I like it's pent up aggression inside me. It got really bad at the end of me, my uh, you know, hospitality journey. It just literally got to the point where I was ready to fight. Like I was waiting yeah. for someone to say something because I'm like, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm not like I'm getting out of here anyway, <laughs> because like the audacity of people when you you're just trying to help them. Yep. Like, Literally, you like, know I can spit outside. in your drink. Yeah. No, I didn't do that. But, like, you know I can do that. <laughs> Anyways, we're Anyways, not talking about that. Before we go down the hospital. Um, did you have any other questions? Or anything else to say? This has been a really long episode. Clearly, we didn't... We definitely didn't expect it to go this way. No. Um, we had a little bit of a cry. We, Which is good. Apparently, you should cry more often. I heard that as well. Do you know when I cry? Like, I actually cry. Like... Like, <laughs> yes. Because I think, like, I just don't cry enough. I, I like to... This is the first time I've cried in fucking months. I used to schedule some crying time before oh, when I was... How single. do you schedule crying? I'd put on you that, should be an actress. <laughs> I used to put on things that would make me cry so I could cry about other people's life instead of my own. Oh, my gosh. Do you know when I rewatched after years? Freaking, um... Oh, what's that movie? Freedom Riders. Uh, Do you know that scene where that guy, I think he's Hispanic and then he gets up in front of the class and then he's reading from his diary about how shitty his summer was. I was like, I was bawling. I was like, I don't remember bawling this much when I watched this when I was younger. I was like, this is so sad. I listen to their podcast. They have a podcast. Do they? Wow. I got to listen to that. Yeah. Really But I don't have any questions because you know what I've realized? My ADD kicks in and my body just knows when we've been doing this too long when I can't keep still and i've been fidgeting so much yeah. the last 15 minutes i'm undiagnosed add but i'm gonna get that checked out but um no that's i have no more questions because if anything i say right now it would just be me talking shit and not making sense <laughs> so i'm yeah done. We've, we've honestly we've covered a lot but we'll probably end it there we'll continue the discussion on our page um follow us at let's talk about it lw.podcast on instagram Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes. So, like, on, on the Apple Podcasts, you can actually leave a review, like, if oh. whatever it is, and then you could even write something as well. I'm going to make an account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening to us from. If you had any other extra thoughts or opinions or something that you feel like we left out, DM us on the page. We're very specific that we can go more into detail like, around yeah, this like, topic. Yeah, this is our first season, so we can always come back to all of the topics that we've, we've covered. But anything that you felt like we left out, let us know, DM us. We're very active on there. And, and thanks for the new follows. Yeah. It's been nice to have some engagement. We're trying. Yeah. We're new to this. I know. This is so like there's just so much to think about. There's so much to do. Do you know it's what I mean? It's not as easy as we thought. It's That's just... okay. We're here, we're learning, still delivering your podcast, even through us unpacking our trauma. Yes. Um uh, shit, I just said um uh, Can I just like freaking uppercut myself? Like just if anybody has any solutions at how to say or stop saying you like, turn into another word. Like and um let us know. Yes, please. And because then if you do, then we know you've listened this far. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you made it this far, congratulations. Um, but yeah, we'll leave it there. This is Rowani. I'm Lani and I'm very tired. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye.